Welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is The Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. The Andrew Lawton Show starts right now. Welcome to the Andrew Lawton Show here on True North. You may remember a couple of months back, we set out to interview all of the candidates seeking the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada. In-depth, face-to-face, wide-ranging interviews about why it is they're running, their visions for Canada, for the Conservative Party, the whole shebang. Unfortunately, we had to hit the pause button on that series because the global pandemic made it unadvisable and actually illegal in some ways for us to do the in-person interview filming that we wanted to do. Nevertheless, the race is continuing. It's been kickstarted again by the party, and the cutoff for new members to sign up if they want to vote in the leadership race is May 15th. So we wanted to continue the series and talk to the candidates we haven't yet talked to. And with that, it is my great pleasure to welcome Aaron O'Toole, longtime Conservative Member of Parliament and former Veterans Affairs Minister, and also former leadership candidate to the show here. Aaron, it's good to talk to you. I know we had hoped to do this in person, but nevertheless, I'm grateful you were able to take the time today. Thank you. It's good to be back, Andrew. So let's talk about why you're running now. Obviously, you had a a formidable showing in 2017 when you ran for the Conservative leadership. Uh, We've had an election since then. I I think we've had a a fairly significant discussion about where the Conservative Party fits into the national political landscape. Uh, What's making you run this time? Um, I'm even more driven to run this time, Andrew, because I've seen just the, the damage Justin Trudeau and the Liberal government has done to Canada. I often say, Think back to when Stephen Harper was prime minister. Last year of his government, I was in cabinet. I was at the table for a lot of decisions. We had a balanced budget. We had low taxes. We had investment coming. We had three pipelines in various stages of development. The Bloc Québécois was not an official party. And no one had ever coined a term named Wexit. Look at what weak leadership does. Five years later, all of those things economically were already out the window before COVID-19. The Bloc Québécois is the third party in the House of Commons. They're back again, a Quebec-based separatist party. And there's 250,000-plus Canadians who've signed up for a Western separatist movement that is created because of Justin Trudeau's anti-development, anti-energy policies. It just shows how dangerous weak leadership can be. So I'm a committed conservative. I'm in the House. I've been fighting the fight. I fell into line and fought behind Andrew Scheer. Uh, Sometimes you serve your general. Now I think I'm getting promoted and I need to be the general on the battlefield. You've positioned yourself in the race, your campaign theme, as being a true blue conservative. And I think that one of the big narratives to emerge after the election is that the party needs to move more to the center. You're saying the opposite, but I'm curious why you think that's the case, but also why you're an example of someone who is the opposite of that knee-jerk reaction to move to the center. Well, I think that's been Peter McKay's kind of narrative. And that that is making the biggest mistake conservatives can make, which is listen to what the Toronto Star and the CBC suggest we should do. <laughs> it, there are already tons of options in the mushy middle. In fact, sometimes it's hard for me to distinguish the Liberal Party from the NDP or the Greens. It seems like Elizabeth May is an honorary Liberal most days, the way Trudeau treats her. And I think they work together. Um, there's lots of options there. We have to take the principled approach we had under Stephen Harper and learn from our losses. I think we need more conservative-minded policies on issues like the environment and other things. Them out there, defend our principles. 
but then show Canadians how our free market approach, our our public safety approach, our principled foreign policy is actually in their interest, the interest of their family or the the single senior living in rural Canada. So I think I think we've got a good background to run on. I think a lot of people like the effective governance of Stephen Harper. We just need to reconnect with people and we need to articulate our conservative ideas in new ways. And that's what I'm committed to. I've always known you to be or to strive to be somewhat of a consensus builder. For example, I know when M103 came up, you and I had a conversation on my show at the time, and, and you were trying to find a way to work with the Liberals on that instead of just saying no to it. I know when other issues have come up, you've taken a, a very similar stance. So how does that background really jive with what you're saying now, which is, no, we've got to just stand firm, hold the line, and, and fight for that, again, to use your campaign's term, true blue conservatism? Well, sometimes there can be consensus. Uh, my work on M103 was more about calling out the the politics of it. You know, I had followed that issue from the time Tom Mulcair tried to do a stunt in the House and seek unanimous consent for a petition. Jerry Butts and the Liberals saw the impact that that had, and then they created M103. I knew that because, you know, in politics, I will call my adversaries. I was texting with the foreign minister yesterday uh, on areas of disagreement. And uh, I'm tough, I'll hold my ground, but I also call out BS when I see it. And that's what had happened with M103. That was designed to divide Canadians. And I think um, we have to call out liberal conduct, you know, misleading uh, conduct. We now see it with firearms, for example, where they have to use words like military styled or assault-like weapons to, to scare and confuse people. So I often think conservatives we let the, the liberals play on the, on the playing field for far too long before we call out their conduct. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm tough but fair, Andrew. And I think um, if you look at my conservative credentials, I, I kind of enjoy how people are kind of saying, Aaron O'Toole's uh, more right wing this time. Everything I said last time, or this time, I said last time, including reform in the United Nations. I ran on holding back our dues from the UN agencies before Nikki Haley did it in the US. So my bona fides are solid. It's I also have a few dials on my switch. I'm not always at the outrage 10 setting. Uh, I can be, and you don't wanna get me there, but there's other times where I can, I can uh, show compassion, show reason, show collaboration. I think that's how we'll connect with suburban voters, Andrew, because they like our principles, but often they think we're a bit, bit too harsh. And so, I think it's that kind of small town suburban bring upbringing I have. I know when to be reasonable. I know when to kick some butt. I know that the real battleground for a lot of people has been on, on social issues, and I, I don't want to get into these because I know you've talked about your positions on them at great length in the past, but I do think there is a, a discussion about the place that different factions of the party have in the party here. You've got two of the four leadership candidates that are running, I think, very much on, on their social conservative credentials, and, and you've said, listen, this is a, a part of our party. Social conservatives are, are a part of the, the voter base and the party base, and I think we saw that in particular in, in 2017. The, the previous leadership contest. And I'm, I am curious, though, for a lot of the people that are on the more moderate side of the party that say, I don't want to be a part of the party that has those people in it, how do you keep the one side without losing the other side? Or is it a matter of saying, if you're so far to the left of the Conservative Party, maybe we don't need to hold on to you that much? Simple answer, leadership, Andrew. Uh, and leadership is built on respect. 
I learned that in the Canadian Armed Forces from the time I went to boot camp. You can inspire as leader, uh, you can lead by example, be in the trenches, but most importantly, it's built on respect, and that respect is both ways. So um, when I ran for leader last time, more social conservatives supported Andrew Scheer, so he kind of came up the middle, but there was always respect. And I've always said to people, look, I voted with my social conservative colleagues on some issues, uh, like equal parenting or, or uh, euthanasia, for example, but I've always consistently voted on, on human rights. And so I respect decisions of the courts, even if I don't necessarily uh, agree with them. It doesn't matter what the issue is. I, I respect and I will not just respect them, I will defend rights. That said, I also defend religious freedom, freedom of speech. Uh, I'm probably one of the few MPs that has spoken on those issues in the House of Commons. Um, I think that's the way to forge going forward as a party, respect all views in our movement. All of them are important. And how can we make sure social conservatives feel not just valued, but see some of their, their ideas and some of their values reflected in what the party's doing? I think Harper's Child Maternal Health Foreign Policy Initiative was a great example of that. Um, it didn't include funding foreign abortions like, like Justin Trudeau does. I don't think that's appropriate for a Canadian foreign policy to, to use divisive policy like that. What it did focus on was helping uh, pregnant mothers, young children with nutrition outcomes so they'd have more healthy, successful lives. I think that was a great example of how um, the input of social conservatives can actually make great foreign policy output for the country. So I, as leader, will make sure everyone is part of our movement and government. I know you've got a, a lot of MPs from the Conservative Caucus that are supporting your campaign, and, and I, you did last time as well. But I do have to ask, I've done a, a review of the, the caucus endorsements you had last time versus this time, and it looks like at least 20% of the MPs that backed you last time are, are now backing Peter McKay. And I am curious what you think this says about the direction the caucus is looking to go, if you two, uh, you and, and Peter McKay, are, are putting forward fundamentally different visions for the future of the Conservatives. Every single one of them will be very happy if I'm leader. Um, you know, look, I respect the fact that many of them in January bought into the hype of this coronation. That That's what Peter McKay's team was trying to make it seem like there was this inevitability. Um, I'm the co-founder of the party, therefore I deserve uh, the, the leadership, even though I left five years ago and even though I was quietly working on my leadership when we should have all been working to defeat Trudeau. Um, a lot of people in politics early on wanted to feel they were part of a winning team. Uh, they were promised many things in some cases. I don't operate that way. I saw out there that our grassroots roots were not clamoring for Peter McKay to get back into public life. They respected what he did. Peter was a great defense minister. I've said that publicly. But um, he was not a safe set of hands on the, on the playing field ever as a minister. Um, and we're seeing that in this race. He's never really identified on policy or certain principles. And I don't think in 2020, with the challenges we're facing, we have to go back to the PC party leader from 17 years ago. I think um, Peter's not in the House. He's not going to be there for the most important debates in the country's history in September. So I think uh, I have respect in caucus, even from folks that went with Peter early on. You might even see a few switch over. Uh, we have the momentum. I, I predict by the time the votes are cast, we will have more support in caucus than, than Peter. 
but I will I will make sure as a leader that I reach out and make sure we're united because our real opponent here is Justin Trudeau. It's not each other. So I will make sure we 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 bring the movement together, including supporters. Leslie Lewis has has some great support in caucus. Uh, she's a very impressive Canadian. Uh, I'm I'm. I hope she runs for us, and I think she'd be an important voice for our movement. I'll work with with Derek's people, with with Peter's people. I think that's part of that respect of leadership. One of the big things, of course, that's changed the political landscape in the last few months has been the coronavirus, and now we have monumental, uh, not just public health challenges, but economic challenges. We don't know when the election is going to be, but suppose that you're successful in your quest for the Conservative leadership, and then you're successful in your quest for the Premiership of Canada, and you become the Prime Minister. How on earth can you enact a fiscal Conservative agenda when we will have tens of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars of added debt and deficit spending that you'll have to find a way from? Uh, the same way Stephen Harper and, and Jim Flaherty did, Andrew. You have to have a plan and you have to be disciplined to stick with it. Certainly this plan will be a longer time frame than, than what Stephen Harper had in 2009 because he was looking at, at budget deficits in the $50 billion range after a, a financial markets-driven recession. We have a global recession where the global economy was essentially wound down and we're going to have a quarter of a trillion dollar deficit, give or take, according to the parliamentary budget officer. Trudeau's slow response, his confused response has made it worse and some of his latest spending is out of control and clearly just vote buying. But we will be faced with that and we have to say to Canadians that fiscal responsibility is important. Uh, we will have probably... A, a plan that will be a decade long to get spending uh, back under control and get, get the economy moving. But the key thing, Andrew, is our private sector recovery. It has to be led by the private sector. And I was talking about this before COVID. The canaries in the coal mine were the tech resources uh, withdraw of the, the Frontier Project, a $70 billion project to our GDP over three to four decades. Warren Buffett withdrew his $7 billion or so investment in Canada following the illegal rail blockades and the shutdown Canada movement that Trudeau seemed to sort of mm -hmm. accept for weeks. I put out a, a, a policy to end the illegal blockades. Jason Kenney uh, adopted some elements of it on a provincial level. We have to get our private sector fired up. If we don't have everyone working, we won't recover. So I'm going to make I'm going to embrace all sectors, including energy. I think that's a big point here. And, and one thing, however, that I, I fear for the sake of the future of Canada is that when Justin Trudeau won another mandate, he had run on a platform of, to use the carbon tax as an example, going full steam ahead with the carbon tax. So when you have in your leadership platform no to the carbon tax, which is, I think, something that conservatives have been fairly consistent on, with a few exceptions, is there not a, a natural retort to that that Canadians have made their peace with it? Uh, no, because my issue with the carbon tax, and I probably talked about this on your show three years ago during the, during the leadership, my, my issue was always the uncompetitiveness of it. I hate the tax itself, but Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, we're competing with them for jobs in the auto industry and in fabrication, and they don't have an input price on carbon, and we have, a, we have an integrated economy. So it was always dumb federal policy, what the, what the Conservatives need to do 
is two things, Andrew. One, we respect provincial plans. So if BC wants to do its carbon tax, if there's cap and trade in Quebec, if Jason Kenney's doing large emitter policy with a form of a carbon tax for large emitters, great. If they can get their emissions down, they know their local economies better than Ottawa does. Where the federal government then has to work is the bigger picture issue, transportation. We'd like to see less emissions by making that maximize. I've been a fan of cabotage and a whole range of policies support for carbon capture, sequestration, nuclear energy. I've been big supporters of all these. Pipelines to get LNG around the world to get emissions down elsewhere from using coal to generate electricity. And wherever possible, where can we bring innovation or some tax reductions for companies that step their own emissions down? I've been talking about that for four or five years. I think if the Conservatives put our plan in the window, many Canadians will say, okay, they take it seriously. We said 10,000 times that we were against the carbon tax. We never said what we were going to do until a couple of weeks before the election. That doesn't cut it, particularly in the suburbs of Ontario. They want to know we take the environment seriously and we have serious policy. That actually leads into a, an important area to end on here, Aaron, which is the type of Conservative Party that you'd like to lead. And it comes down to looking backwards and forwards, I, I guess. Is the Conservative Party's loss in 2019 indicative of a bad message itself or just bad messaging? And how will you counter either or both of those if you're the leader? Uh, I think it was, we didn't run a strong campaign on the ground, certainly, but we also didn't have a vision. I think in many ways, um, I think even Andrew realizes this now, and he and I talk about it, that they were lulled into a sense that after SNC-Lavalin and Jody Wilson-Raybould and all that stuff, the Liberals were going to defeat themselves. We can never, ever take our opponents for, for granted. We have to forge our own reason for people to vote for us. And I think that principled approach to conservatism uh, is, the, is the answer. I actually think the COVID-19 makes it even more compelling. I've been talking about repatriating some key uh, uh, manufacturing capacity to Canada, certainly for PPE, but also counterbalancing China's world trade disruption. I was supportive of us working with the Trump administration on their concerns about steel and aluminum. Not only did the Trudeau government not do that, we had tariffs imposed on us for security reasons, as their only NORAD trading partner. I may have even talked to you on your show about this, why I was in favor of us joining ballistic missile defense was to remind the Americans that we are their only security partner in the world. And so we should work with them on Chinese disruption of world trade, and we should repatriate some industries that we cannot rely on if they're in uh, Communist Party of China hands. We should be united against Huawei as, as sort of the five eyes countries together. Uh, I've been talking about this for, for many years, actually, and I do think now Canadians see the value of that. Two years ago, on uh, two, yesterday, I think, I, I asked Trudeau about Taiwan being excluded from the World Health Organization meetings on pandemic planning. Two years ago. Uh, just yesterday, Trudeau is now asking for Taiwan to be there. So in many ways, I think the issues I've been pushing on for many years are now issues that Canadians see are in our key streets. I think that's a very good point to end on here. I really appreciate your time. Aaron O'Toole, Conservative Leadership Candidate. Uh, thank you very much and good luck. 
Thank you, Andrew. The next part of the conservative leadership series, hopefully we'll be able to finish it off by the end of the week. Just one candidate to go. My thanks to Aaron O'Toole for coming on and, of course, all of you for tuning in. We'll be back in a couple of days with more of The Andrew Lawton Show. Thank you, God bless, and good day, Canada. Thanks for listening to The Andrew Lawton Show. Support the program by donating to True North at www.tnc.news.